Hey there, welcome to week 14 of the NFL season. I am Sean Mannion to <laughs> J.B. Long's Jared Goff. Travis Rogers in for J.B. this week. And DeMarco, it's an exciting time because yeah. not only are the Rams playing well, they're 9-3, and three, they're on top of their division, they're coming off of another impressive win in Arizona last week, but you've got the number one team, the number one seed in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles coming in. They're 10-2, and two, fresh off of a loss in Seattle, but this is by far the, the, the biggest game that the Rams have played all season long since not just this season but since coming back to LA. I mean, I mean what a treat uh first of all for for the the Rams fans I mean look the the epicenter of pro football is here this weekend uh the Eagles your Rams uh doing battle it's going to be a lot of fun for for the coaches the uh, of the Rams and the players you've earned this you've earned a chance uh to take on the best teams in the league to be considered one of the best teams of the league uh of, of the NFL so whoever wins this weekend you would probably say is going to be in the driver's seat in the NFC right yeah I would think so I mean and you have to build your way to Minnesota this. might have something to say. Minnesota's going to say, but I mean, build your way to this, to this, to this level, to this moment. So, you know, let's hope that the Rams put their best foot forward. You know, Philadelphia is going to put their best foot forward. Um, I was rooting for the Eagles to beat Seattle. Yes. Um, I don't want them coming off a loss because, yes. you know, teams have a funny way of getting right after <laughs> losses. But hey, look, either way you slice it. Big game in the Coliseum. Yeah, it's it was going back to that game that the Eagles had against Seattle last week. It was interesting in the sense that whatever happened in that game, there was an upside for the Rams. Yeah. Had Seattle lost that game, all of a sudden the Rams have a nice cushion heading up to Seattle, and maybe it's not a must win. You'd still like to go in and knock the champs off and take it that way, but maybe a little bit of room wouldn't have been an all-bad thing. But this way, now all of a sudden you have an opportunity that if you beat Philadelphia this week, and now all of a sudden you have a chance to go into that number two seed now you're only trailing Minnesota that the Eagles even though they're 10 and 2 now maybe a sudden they've fallen all the way out of that bye week and now they're gonna have to play on that first weekend good and you turn a lot of heads you change a lot of opinions I mean I think the the national media is starting to pick up on what's going on down here but if you get through Philadelphia if you win that football game I think all things are different for the coach for the players for everybody involved so yeah uh it, it's important that you know and we always say this nine wins is great but uh, that doesn't matter come game day. That won't matter come uh, this Sunday in the Coliseum. I mean, you're going to have to be the better team on game day. And and right now, look, Philadelphia has every right to feel better about this matchup than you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've played better offensively. They've played better defensively uh, when you look at their record and their, their schedule and what they've done. I mean, up until Seattle, and Seattle for some reason has a funny way of doing this. They they derailed the Rams early in a game they should have lost, and same with Philadelphia. In a similar way, a touchdown turned into a touchback for the Rams. Same thing with Philadelphia yep. and Carson, yep, Carson Wentz. Wentz. They got ahead, got momentum, and wouldn't give it back. So, I mean, look, Philadelphia is going to come in here like a house of fire. So, let's hope the Rams didn't leave everything in Arizona just to get that win. You know, it's interesting to think about because the the Rams still very much control their own destiny. They're 9-3. and three, They're on top of the division. You're going to play one of the teams that's ahead of you mm-hmm. in the NFC in Philly this weekend. You're going to play a team that's right on your heels in yeah. the NFC West next weekend in Seattle when they have to go up there, a chance to presumably maybe lock up that division for good. We'll see what happens. But there's also... 
let's put it out there, a little bit of a nightmare scenario where if you lose both of these, now all of a sudden you're in a place where not only are you not going to be playing at home in that first round, but look at the way Carolina's playing. You look at the way oh, Atlanta's yeah. playing. There's all of a sudden a scenario where it could get very dark very quickly despite a great season. What do they say about climbing Mount Everest? Um, it, it gets tougher as you get near the top. Mm-hmm. Well, here you are. Uh, you're going to have to dig in again, and you may not be 100% uh, as a football team. I mean, you are ailing in, in certain spots, and certain spots have become leaky. So, and here's your reward for being good. It it gets turned up a notch again. So, yeah, I mean, this is where I I hate to say it, but this is why it's tough to be a professional football player. You're going to have to suck it up and go, man. I mean, uh, you can go from one of the front runners to, like you said, a team that's battling for a wild card in a hot in a heartbeat, mm-hmm. uh, and that's because of who you're facing uh, down the road. But the same scenario also is being talked about in Philadelphia. It's also being talked about in San Francisco. It's being talked about everywhere in the NFC. Uh, the NFC is a long way from being decided. Yep. And I, I think the next three weeks are definitely going to decide it. So it's an interesting week as well. Not only have Philly coming in, but it's a, you know, as everybody has seen on the news, there's fires all over Southern California. Yeah. The Rams were affected by yesterday. And Sean McVay was asked how the week was changed because of them having to go inside and do a walkthrough as opposed to a regular practice. One of the things that I think our guys have gotten comfortable with, Gary, even when you look at the long trip that we had earlier in the year, they just kind of adjust and adapt. And, and I think we've become a more mature team as the season has progressed. Just the natural progression in terms of what the season does, taking a toll on guys. Sometimes you do even look into it when you get later on in the season of making it more of a mental approach. We've been fortunate, like we've talked about, with the injuries, so we haven't had to adjust it, which sometimes inevitably occurs just based on the availability with your numbers for the week. So we've been fortunate in that regard, but I think our players will feel fresher, uh, and, and really we just kind of make the most of whatever the situation is that we have to deal with. What's that like, DeMarco, when all of a sudden you know football players and athletes in general are creatures of habit. You do this on this day, you do this on the other day, you do this right before the game, you do this on game day, and it's just week after week after week of following a very, very similar schedule. And all of a sudden it gets flipped up inside out and upside down, and obviously for a very serious reason, the fires that are taking place, how does it affect your preparation? Well, if it were the New England Patriots or the Pittsburgh Steelers, it would be a mess because, look – they are where they are, and they are where they've been. Uh, but for this group, I mean, you've done a lot of traveling. Your schedule has been goofy for a couple of seasons now. Uh, you're either moving, you're going to London, uh, you had to go to Florida. There's been a lot thrown at you, so you're kind of used to disruption. But, look, offensively speaking, I agree with the coach. I, I think that, for the most part, now that you've got Sammy Watkins up to speed, for the most part, that off everybody on that offense can run those plays or have an idea of what he wants to do with their eyes closed. Uh, you're that deep into this offense. Um, where it's going to hurt you is defensively mm. because you have to rep things when you face Philadelphia, before you face Philadelphia, because it's unique. Uh, when you've got everything sewed up in the passing game uh, or in the running game, you still got to deal with Carson Wentz's legs and how they get to plays like that. So it's going to hurt you defensively a little bit early, uh, not having the reps on the field. But offensively, I agree with Sean McVay. That should not bother you. Being fresh on that side is always going to be wanted. Jared Goff talking about not being able to practice. I think today is actually it actually ended up working out really, really well. I mean, um, just getting a chance to kind of get off our feet a little bit and, and get a lot of mental work in and, and get probably more, you know, a lot more reps than we would have live reps. Um, Obviously, the timing and stuff like that is something that you know I want to get with the receivers, which we expect to do tomorrow. You know, today was 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 actually really good for us to get a lot of mental work in and to kind of you know have a walkthrough setting. And, and it goes back to you know we did the kind of the same thing the San Francisco week. 
uh, week three with that Thursday night game. We did that for the whole week up to leading up to that game, and you know scored 41 points. And you know so there's there's something to that. It, it can it can be beneficial at some at times for sure. Is there something to be said, Demarco, for the quarterback that mentions how many points he scored? <laughs> Love it, love it. Yes, sir. Well, shoot, you're scoring 30 some odd points a month. Right. I mention it or every game. I should I mention it all I love the time. The confidence, yeah. The idea of sitting in a in a classroom and looking mm-hmm. at plays on film and discussing them with your position coaches, maybe the head coach, Sean McVay, and you're in there talking about what it is you might see as opposed to being out on the practice field and repping and trying to simulate what it is you might well, see. You can still do a walkthrough. You can stand guys up and do like a living chess piece because I, I think that's what you need, the mental side of it. How are we going to pick this up? Who are we going to mm-hmm. pick up on blitzes? If this guy goes, he's my man. So it's a lot of mental work. Some, sometimes that stuff gets lost on the practice field because once the ball is snapped, it's physical now. And you might have missed the mental reps or or you might have missed something that's really going to be critical in a game because it it just became a physical thing on the field. So mental reps for an offense like this can never be bad. Uh, This is what I'm looking at. This is why I'm calling this play. This is what the look we want to get when we call this sort of stuff. So if you can have all 11 or 12, 13, 14, 15, the guys you're playing on offense, just look up and be in tune with the coach just that much more mentally. It's going to make you faster on game day. What are some of the things you mentioned that Philly does some things on offense that are unique that you need to get out there on the field and get ready for defensively? Like what, for instance? Well, I mean, they run the ball by committee and all three backs. I mean, they're all in their prime. And I, I keep going back to this, man. How much money did LeGarrette Blunt cost himself punching that kid in the face because he's had a long, productive career. Now, imagine if he entered the NFL where he should have in the draft. How much money did it cost you? Think about that. Ajayi, I think, is still in his prime. So uh, they, they run the ball by committee, and they're great at it. But up front, the blocking schemes are all complicated. Uh, there, there's stuff that's only unique to them that you're, you're only going to see versus Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and you do things by rote as a defense or as a player. So the more times you get to see it, up and or, or feel it against you, it's easier for you to play. But if you can't rep it and it hits you in a game, it's going to hit big. So that's why you need to be on the field defensively to practice against Philadelphia's offense. Going back to LeGarrette Blunt and the punch that you mentioned, that young man that he punched was named Byron Hout. And while you never want to advocate violence, DeMarco, dare I say that young man deserved to get punched in the face? Because really? you remember he went up and immediately after a gut-wrenching win started dancing and pointing his finger in Blunt's face. And Blunt reacted. And again... Maybe you don't want to punch a guy in the face, but if there was ever a time where somebody deserved it, he might have. Well, you can want to, just don't do it. <laughs> right. but, but think yeah. about it. I I'm mean, not saying he should have, right. but you kind of I mean, des- like a little they, bit of a deserve You factor. did hurt yourself. And yes. think about his career. Now, like I said, how much money did it cost you? But he, the way he runs, he's so professional and so precise, and he's a big guy. When they get him into the open field and they get everyone blocked up front, hat on the hat blocking, and it's just that guy and a corner, yeah. I feel sorry for the corner. And he knows <laughs> what to do. So, And each guy is like that. And then, like I said, the, the triple threat of having Carson Wentz that could pull it down and run and hurt you from any distance, any down and distance. It just it makes playing defense against them a nightmare. All right. When we come back, we'll talk about the matchup that everybody's going to be talking about all Sunday long. Number one versus, versus number two, Jared Goff against Carson Wentz. That's next on Rams All Access on ESPN LA. Travis Rogers sitting in for J.B. Long this week on Rams All Access. And DeMarco, the Rams coming off of the win last week on the road in Arizona. They win that one 32-16. And I felt like this a couple of times this season, and I think this is a positive. 
The Rams scored 32 points, and it still felt like there was still some meat on that bone. And it's felt like that a couple of different times this year, that even when they're scoring a whole bunch of points, it feels like there's always room for improvement. There are opportunities to take advantage of some other things that didn't take place the week before. And that's what this feels like, that there's always a little bit more room for growth from this. And I think that feels like a good thing. Well, they were two for four in the red zone against the Cardinals. So Mm -hmm. you're exactly right. There's... There's some things they could have done better last week to to make that game easier. Now, one of those things is I, I guess you can't prepare for when you lost Alec Ogletree. Yeah. I mean, in the middle of a drive. And what I mean by missed, he hurt the elbow and wouldn't come out. Uh, and I talked to Sean McVay about that. Like, what would you do next time? Next time, let's get the player off the field. But, I mean, you've got to go with your guy. It, if he doesn't remove himself, how can you remove Tree? Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy doesn't miss plays. But uh, So that gave them momentum. So that kind of... I guess, change the game a little bit. It forced you to have to dig yourself out of a hole. But, yeah, if you could have kept that early momentum, that could have been a blowout, an absolute whitewashing of the Arizona Cardinals. But, you know, this is the NFL. Strange things happen. And if you give them momentum, look at Seattle versus Philadelphia. If you give them momentum and they start making plays, you might not be able to get over your mistakes. So I agree with you. If this team plays – to, to its best ability on offense, defense, and special teams, I don't care who you are. And I, I truly believe this. I don't care who you are. I, I think they can win. But Philadelphia also feels the same thing. Yeah, that that's the difference yeah. right there. That This game feels like, and I agree with you, I don't care if it's New England, I don't care if it's Pittsburgh, and like you said, pick one of the other 31 teams in the league. If the Rams play well on all three aspects of the game, I don't think they're going to lose, no matter who. The difference is the Eagles feel exactly the same way, and they're probably not wrong. That this is one of those, it could come down to a turnover. It could come down to one missed assignment, a special teams play. It's come down to one false start. It does. One penalty, one one something feels like could be the difference in a game like this. Well, that's the thing. Who's going to blink first? Um, And look, both teams have the ability to correct mistakes and move on. Even if you do have a turnover, Mm -hmm. even if you do have uh, a couple of penalties that puts you behind the chains. They're still good enough to make that up. Um, But, yeah, who's going to blink first? Who's going to seize momentum in this game and then feed off that and and stay ahead and, and get ahead and stay ahead? So, you know, first blood means a lot. Um, it it means little if you can't stop them on both both sides. So um, it's going to come down to, and I hate to say this, and I was trying to stay away from this, really, in certain situations, it's going to be Goff versus Wentz. Mm-hmm. Let's see who gets out of trouble. Let's see who can get out of a third and 15. You know, I mean, it's going to happen to both quarterbacks. Whoever manages those situations better will have a better chance to win the game. Speaking of, number one versus number two, Jared Goff versus Carson Wentz, head coach Sean McVay. No, he certainly plays a big factor into the week when we're talking about the Rams versus the Eagles. But, you know, what Jared's got to worry about is how to attack the Philadelphia Eagles defense, and what Carson has to worry about is how to attack the L.A. Rams defense. So anytime that you you have two great quarterbacks going against each other, certainly that becomes a story, Jared versus Carson. But this is about those guys trying to execute at a high level against the defense they're going against. But uh, more importantly, it's about the Rams versus the Eagles, and there's a lot of great individual players that make up uh, two good teams in this matchup this week. You ever had a root canal? I have. Have your wisdom teeth removed? I have. Okay, remember the night before? Yeah, not great. Queasy, right? <laughs> yeah, but then I'm it's, not looking forward to at it. At some point, you just kind of say it is what it is, and I'm, uh-huh. I'm going to have to go through it. It's going to be pain. It's going to be painful, but I'm going to be better for it when it's over. Same thing like facing this defense. Um, there are going to be things that you run into that defense that's going to cause you great pain. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, you know that going in. 
but it's all towards the positive of moving the football. As in, when, when they give you those wide nines, there was going to be places to throw the football and run the football. Guaranteed, they're going to be there by their alignment. Now, it's going to take something to get there. It's going to mm-hmm. take something off everybody to get there. But if you do, eventually you can wear them down and start to wear them out. But from the outset, just know it's going to be a lot of booms and pows, like 1960s Batman TV. <laughs> you know, you're going to see a lot of that early. Yeah. A little campiness factor. A little bit, like right, it. right. <laughs> kapow. <laughs> Zort. <laughs> that was, like, I get kapow. That, it, was the, it was the bloof. Was that like, the, what, what is bloof? I think that Robin got hit in the stomach. <laughs> right. Bloof. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's always but yeah, a little weird. That's, I mean, it's, 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 there's opportunities out there for the Rams, especially with the way Sean McVay calls this game. I bet he can't wait to get out there on Sunday. Yeah. It's a defense that rarely changes. Uh, from play to play. You know where they're going to be. There's going to be a lot of places to attack. But at some point, it could exact a physical toll if you're not moving the ball. Yeah, it, it's. I like how you put it, DeMarco. The idea that, look, Jared Goff is going to be playing against the Eagles defense mm-hmm. and vice versa. Carson Wentz is going to be playing against the Rams defense. They're not going up against each other. But I can't help but imagine that at some point, both of these guys are going to have a, oh, yeah, we'll watch this moment. You, you, yeah. you, you okay, that, that was nice, but... Here, now it's my turn, a little you know, tit-for-tat or whatever you want to call it, a little bit of the matching thing that, okay, I see what he's doing. Now it's my turn to go out there to do it. They're going to get caught up in that, aren't they? Oh, make no mistake. It, it, it is what it is. I mean, each team is looking towards their, towards their quarterback to make plays. Uh, which, team, which guy is going to inspire his team on to greatness, on to victory that day? Um, and Carson Wentz is the total package. The degree of difficulty is going to be up or higher for the Rams defense because that guy can move. He can run. He's that good. But can Jared Goff compensate uh, for his lack of mobility or Mm -hmm. Carson Wentz's ability to move the football running and throwing? Can he overcome that with just his arm and accuracy? And you can do that. If you keep their defense on the field, they expend a lot of energy trying to get to you. If you keep them on the field, it's inevitable. They're going to run out of gas. No one can be that energetic for that long. Uh, Same on the other side. If you corral Carson Wentz and keep hitting him and keep hitting him, eventually he's going to start to wear down. Those scrambles are going to start to hurt you less and less. So which guy makes the mistake in that process? When you look at Wentz and Goff, and obviously they went 1-2 a year ago or two drafts ago, are these the next – and – this would have been a crazy question to ask a year ago because Jared Goff was having such a difficult rookie season. And Carson Wentz, even though he got off to a good start, kind of plateaued in the middle of the year and didn't keep keep on that trajectory that he's on this season. Are these the next guys that are great quarterbacks in the NFL? Because right now you have a generation of quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, um, Aaron Rodgers is a little bit younger than that. So, But those are the guys that are the best in the business at mm-hmm. doing this. Ben Roethlisberger is another one. Mm-hmm. They're, get, they're much closer to the end of their careers than they are to the beginning. And then you look at the other guys, maybe it's Russell Wilson or Cam Newton, these other guys that are really, really good. Is the next group, is it Carson Wentz, is it Jared Goff, Dak Prescott, are those are the guys that are going to be the standard if we're sitting here 10 years from now? I, I think so far uh, of, of the elite quarterbacks, like you said, that are cycling out, yeah, they've earned it. Uh, Cam Newton is still around. I, I think what – Wilson's at the top Wilson, of the list it, of the next guys, right? I think right? once those elites cycle out, I think it, it will be Russell Wilson yeah. at the top, uh, especially if he keeps playing like Ooh. he's playing. Yeah. Um, but at some point – or I can say right now, Carson Wentz and Jared Goff have – surpassed Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota at Mm -hmm. this point. And you still have to play Mariota down the line, but 
what these teams are doing right now, I think, is sustainable. I think Jared Goff keeps getting better. I think Carson Wentz keeps getting better from this point. So um, I, I think those other two face-of-the-NFL-type guys will be looking up to these guys for a while. But you're still going to chase Russell Wilson for a while. He's still improving. He's still getting better. And Seattle is going to improve. But, yes, uh, at some point, for all the marbles, if they both stay where they're at for a while, they're going to cost each other Super Bowl appearances, <laughs> appearances right. for the next couple of years, no doubt. You, This question that came up all last year, you know, if you redrafted, if you did this all over again, Dak Prescott's the number one pre, the number one quarterback taken, and there's no question about it. That was it. last season. That was last season. And now <laughs> right. all of a sudden, fast forward a year, <laughs> right. and you wonder, you know, Wentz and Goff might still go one and two. They might go in the other order, or yeah. maybe they might not. But it this is why it's so important to – Pump and just let's just wait a half a second to see how this plays Let out. Let it play out. But here, this is the one thing, and uh, this is what I heard when you were talking about before they were drafted, evaluating Goff and Wentz, that maybe Wentz might be ready to go before Goff. But once they get going into their careers, Goff is going to have a better career. This is what I heard, and I can see why. the The games they play is radically different. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Carson Wentz plays a lot with his body. Um, eventually, that's going to take its toll. Look at Andrew Luck. Um, the better you get in this offense. For for Jared Goff, the less you're going to get hit, uh, you're you're the, the pocket's always moving. You're going to have a credible run threat. The ball's going to be you're going to attack the entire field vertically and and horizontally. Uh, there's really no place for a defense to beat to draw a beat on the quarterback. So it'll be if you can stay in this, and this is a far cry. We're not even there yet. You keep getting better in this system, it'll be more like Joe Montana. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it, it's not him dropping back to beat you. He's running the hell out of that system, and you can't stop it. You mentioned Andrew Luck there a second ago, and if, th- this is the part that is so crazy about the NFL. And why, when you look at a guy like Drew Brees or Tom Brady and these guys, if we were writing down who's going to be the best quarterback in the league five years from now, and we would have done it two years ago, I think all of us would have put Andrew Luck at the top of the list. Yeah, right. He hasn't taken a snap this year, and who knows? He wasn't very good last year, and who knows what's coming up for health, and that team is terrible. These things change fast, so that's why – we talk about golf. We talk about Wentz. It's all those other pieces around to keep them in one piece to make sure that they don't get the you-know-what beaten out of them right. so they can have these careers and they don't end up laying on the ground like Andrew Luck. Well, the model's going to have to change or you're going to have to manage it better because it, so- it seems like once you have that quarterback that you have to pay and you can't pay other people, then he starts to get racked. Right. You know, um, Russell Wilson's going through it. He can just run around it right now. But at some point, you're going to have to address that or take money from other sides. But, yeah, small market teams with big money quarterbacks will tend have a tendency to turn out like luck. Unless you're Peyton Manning. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's different. He's okay. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he did all right. 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 <laughs> Travis Rogers in for J.B. Long alongside DeMarco on Rams All Access on ESPN LA. All right, see more and sit closer with Vivid Seats, an official partner of the Los Angeles Rams. Visit vividseats.com backslash Rams today to reserve your official ticket, travel, and VIP tailgate package to the next game. Travis Rogers in for J.B. Long, getting you ready for Week 14 in the NFL. The Rams hosting the Philadelphia Eagles, who come in an NFC best 10-2. and two. And we spent a lot of time talking mm-hmm. about the offense to Mark. Let's talk a little bit about the defense, and in particular, Alec Ogletree, who left the game 
in Arizona. He had that elbow injury. Do you expect him to go, and do you expect him to be able to be Alec Ogletree in this game, especially considering he's one of those guys that almost never comes off the field? He came back out uh, on the field in Arizona after he was injured when they removed him from the game, and we got word that he's going to be ruled out. Now, we had to wait until the defense took the field to actually broadcast that, but he's walking on the field in his pads without his helmet in a sling. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's a guy that really thinks he can go. Uh, He thought he could play on – Sunday. Uh, He clearly compromised. You can't play with that elbow in that game right now. You need to sit out and let your backup Bryce Hager go out and play and win this game for you. But he's that tough. So I have no doubts uh, about him playing this Sunday. Now, for how long? I don't know. Um, You're going to need both hands as a linebacker. Um, It's it's already tough on him and Mark Barron to shed blocks. They're not your average inside linebacker. They're fast guys that can run. So getting off blocks has always been tough for them Uh, with two hands. Now you may have one. Um, So at some point, you're going to re-injure that thing. It's it's inevitable. It's going to happen. So how long he stays in the game, I don't know. But as far as lining up and play and starting, no doubt Tree's going to be there. What about when you look at a guy like Alec Ogletree, who not just is a guy that plays every snap, but he's your middle linebacker. He's the guy that's going to be calling a lot of your defenses when you're in there. Who takes his place when he does? Is it Hager? Does he Bryce just Hager. come in there and, yeah. and take over that role, not just in the actual playing of the game, but in the setting of the defense? Direct backup is Bryce Hager. Um, he's going to have the the speaker in the helmet so you can talk to your defensive coordinator like the quarterbacks talk to their offensive coordinator. So he's the guy that's going to set the front, set the coverage, get you in and out of plays, bad defenses, bad fronts, or move you around mm-hmm. uh, in, in case you they're lining up in something you didn't practice or haven't seen. Now, that's where they're going to have the advantage if Alec Ogletree isn't out there. Uh, number one, from a run-stuffing uh, situation or just – a playmaking situation. You saw, you saw what Arizona did once Tree was out of the game or once he was compromised. They yes. ran the ball right at him. So I expect Philadelphia to would do the same thing if, if he's not there. But this is where you're going to lose something. That ability, that experience to where, hey, look, this is what I see. This is what's called. This is what we're going to do now. Let's get out, and then we'll get to the sideline and talk about it without giving up a touchdown. So you're going to lose a little bit of that ability if Tree's not out there. What – is the deal with the Rams defending the run because it seems like early in the games and, and almost pick an opponent. I mean, we've seen we saw the Redskins do it, we saw Jacksonville do it, we saw uh, the, the Cardinals do it last week. Even the Giants, who are just having a miserable season, had a couple of moments where they were able to pop a couple of big runs early in the game, and then all of a sudden it's gone. Happened in the Dallas game too. What's going on there? Well, everything that popped. Early, like in Jacksonville, definitely against New Orleans, um, it's it's all fixable. It's just mistakes up front. It's not guys getting mashed or steamrolled or okay. you know stovepiped out of there. It's just guys <laughs> in the wrong gaps or out of their gaps. Um, uh, with Alvin Kamara, it was guys up front that were so revved up that they thought they could play a little loosey-goosey or a little freelance, and Kamara made you pay. Now, you realized how good he is uh, and what he can do to you. Let's play discipline for the, from here on out, and you bottled him up. So... It's just those situations to where you get a little crazy up front or you just make a mistake and they hit you. And then you're reminded after you get punched in the mouth. Right, get we, your hands up. We've got yeah. to be letter perfect from yeah. here on out. And when you do, you sew them up. Is that going to – is it – reasonable to expect that maybe Philly might get a few of those early in the same sort of situation that the Rams will get their hands back up and then those plays will start to become a lot less frequent or go away? Well, hopefully that's your Achilles heel. That's been your Achilles heel. So that's up to Wade Phillips to coach that out of his football team. Be ready to go. Take the field like you already have momentum. Take the field like you've already been punched in the mouth. 
that's something they've been going through all season long. So when you get to this point and when you're watching Philadelphia on film, I bet just the film itself will get your attention. Yeah. Um, maybe against New Orleans, you could say, well, we can play. These guys are not very big. Uh, maybe against Jacksonville. Well, Leonard Fournette, he's running over everybody. He can't run over us. And then you're proved wrong. Philadelphia, that tape don't lie. <laughs> you make a mistake early or against anybody, they're past you and they're gone. So maybe this team will get them to wake up early. In the hierarchy of things that you do not want to have happen to you as a defensive lineman, what's worse, mashed, steamrolled, or stovepiped? Um, they're all bad. Um, stovepipe means – stovepipe is what Schuster did to Vontez Burfitt. Okay. That's stovepipe. Yeah. You don't know that's coming. Steamrolled, I mean, you're getting a helmet, then a chest plate, then cleats. <laughs> you yeah. know, you're just getting run over. Yeah, so, I mean, either one is just all bad. Yeah. You don't they, want they your mom and dad bad. to see that in the stands. They all right? sounded bad. I just right. wanted to know how to rank them in my own mind so I can uh, know how to describe something in the event that I see it again. Staying with the defense, you know, uh, Connor Barwin did not play last yeah. week. He's not expected to play this week as well. And Samson Abukam, what did you think of him in his starting role for the first time? Well, you got better athletically. Um, this is a player that the Rams really liked, moved up in the draft to get him. A few spots, I believe 14 spots to get him. So mm-hmm. they liked him. So you're better from an athletic standpoint at outside linebacker with with Ebocam in there versus Connor Barwin. Now, where you lose it is the experience. Yeah. Um, look, Connor Barwin can recognize draw on a blink. He can recognize screen in a heartbeat. He can recognize certain things, a crackback, uh, what to do when it's coming. So there's a lot of things you don't know as a rookie that you're going to have to learn, and most of those lessons are going to be painful, and they're going to hurt you. But from an athletic standpoint, meaning when it's an obvious passing situation, it's it's time for you to put your hand down here, get to quarterback there. You're getting there faster with this kid. So, uh, And the more reps he sees, the better he's going to be at outside linebacker. So at some point you knew he was going to be the future at outside backer. The future is just starting now. You know, we've talked about the coaches and the, the matchup between there. Those guys might be – or not might be. They're going to be coach of the year candidates. And another guy that has to be on the short list for year-end awards is executive of the year with Les Snead because we're talking about Samson Abukam who mm-hmm. went into the starting lineup – and performed admirably. We saw them make a move with John Johnson earlier in the year. He went right in there. He's performed really well. We all know about Cooper Cup. We've seen Gerald Everett make plays along the way. There are Josh Reynolds just went to the lineup a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago, I should say, that all of these guys that were brand new draft picks, they're not just playing, they're playing at a pretty high level. You got to put Goff in that category yeah. as well. I mean, Goff is playing at a high level. Aaron Donald is a guy that's attached to Gurley. less need. Gurley is a guy that's uh, attached to less need. I thought the biggest move. Uh, was actually one where he realized that, okay, Greg Robinson is not my guy. Because at one point, he was your guy. He was the reason you passed up on Sammy Watkins in the draft. Okay, this is not going to work. Let me move him out. Let me pay Andrew Whitworth to come in. Great move. You solidified your offensive line and helped your quarterback at the same time. Mm -hmm. Brilliant move. So, yeah, you've always had pieces in place, uh, great pieces that could help you win or become a playoff team. It's just getting that quarterback from point A to where he is now has been all the difference. But definitely, Les Snead's name is on every single guy that's here on this roster right now. And then, of course, you go out, you get Robert Woods, you make oh, a deal yeah. for Sammy Watkins. It's just that everything that you mentioned, Whitworth, John Sullivan, all these things that they went out and did, almost without exception, they paid dividends. No doubt. And Sean McVay actually finding a place for Tavon Austin. Mm-hmm. You know, look, look, okay, the contract is what it is, and you moved up to get him. It is what it is, but... You, you're you're finding ways to get him 
to be productive for this offense, find a role. So, yes, even Tavon Austin, it seems like maybe he doesn't have a place in the receiving core. Well, guess what? He's your backup tailback, and he's producing. You mentioned Sammy Watkins a second ago. Do you think they're going to re-sign him? You know, um, still up in the air. Uh, let's see how he finishes the year. Um, Seems like they've gotten a little more on track with him in the last couple of weeks. Definitely. I want to see what happens when they reintroduce Robert Woods yeah. to this offense with Sammy Watkins and Cooper Cup playing the way they're playing now. Yeah, it should be interesting to see. Hopefully Robert Woods comes back sooner than later. Not expected to go this weekend as well. Rams all-access. Travis Rogers in for JB alongside DeMarco Farr on ESPN LA. All right, time to talk to Tim McManus, who covers the Eagles for ESPN. We'll start with first down here, Tim. And obviously a lot here in Los Angeles is being made of Jared Goff against Carson Wentz, number one versus number two. What's it like back in Philadelphia? What's it like around the Eagles with that discussion? Well, there's a lot of anticipation for this matchup, certainly. I mean, you have not just the number one and number two overall picks from 2016, but you also have them in a very important game in December. So I think that there is a lot of buzz around that. You know, Carson Wentz is is trying to play it down the best he can. He's got a friendship with Goff, and those two trained with one another leading up to the draft, were able to develop a healthy competition and a friendship there. And so I think that the that he absolutely would uh, love to come out and get the best of his friend in this matchup and. Obviously, the the bigger goal being to secure an Eagles win. And if they can do that, they put themselves in really great position to earn a first-round buy, and that is ultimately the goal for this team. Tim McManus, ESPN Eagles reporter, joining us. Is there some sort of advantage for Sean McVay in the sense that he spent some time in the NFC East as the offensive coordinator for the Washington Redskins? Does he maybe have a slight advantage when it comes to understanding the opponent? I think it at least speaks to the fact that there will be some familiarity there. And if you look at the matchup overall, I mean, these two offenses are, are tops in the league in scoring. Both of them notched just a little bit over 30 points per game. So I think that, you know, there's, uh, there's going to be sort of that back and forth, that chess match. You know, Doug Peterson and McVeigh are two of the top candidates for coach of the year. I think both of them deserve tremendous credit for the way that they've been able to help bring along young quarterbacks and, and groom them. I think we've really seen the fruits of that in Los Angeles this year, and the same thing could be said for Philly. And so the Eagles know that they have a, um, a head coach who is young and on the come and is very gifted, and they know they have their hands full on Sunday. Hey, how important has Jason Kelsey been to Carson Wentz this season? That's a good question. I think that, that Kelsey really brings a lot of stability and intelligence to the center position, and Wentz has really come along in his development where he's been given a lot of authority pre-snap where Doug Peterson just kind of, in some circumstances, just lets him go and survey the landscape and make the proper calls from there. And a lot of that has to do with blitz protection. But Kelsey is also involved in that, making sure that they know what they're seeing and that what could potentially be coming at them and being able to adjust into the, the right call. And Wentz actually just made the comment yesterday that he's very rarely had to override Kelsey in his uh, his choice of, of blitz protections. And I think that if you look at the overall numbers, you know, Wentz has 11 touchdowns and zero interceptions against the blitz this year. And I think that goes credit, obviously, to the quarterback, but also you have to give some to center Jason Kelsey as well. If I could supernaturally, like, repair my body and come back and play football, I want to play for Jim Schwartz. <laughs> I want to play in the Jim Schwartz defense. How much fun are these guys having playing for Schwartz this year? Yeah, they're, they're having a ball. I mean, he obviously is a very intense guy. 
and there are times where he will get on you. Uh, one of those instances will be if you talk through his walkthrough or if you're not, you know, if you do something uh, on tape, you know, in the meeting room the next day, you might have a, a red laser pointer on you saying, you, you know, you messed up. So there, there is a sort of this, this freedom that they get. Uh, and also the, a fun kind of spirit that they have about him where he does listen to the players and what they want and where they'll thrive and tries to put them in those kind of spots and then just lets them loose on Sundays. And you can really tell. I, mean, I think Tim Jernigan's a great example of that. He came over in a trade from Baltimore and immediately adapted to this kind of attack style. And these guys love going downhill. They, and you can see on the field through the celebrations and just every, every bit of their body language that they're having a ball playing for Jim Schwartz this year. That's Tim McManus, ESPN Eagles reporter. Thanks for joining us for Four Down Territory, Tim. Thanks. We'll see you on Sunday. All right. Sounds good, guys. Thanks. All right. You got it. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, DeMarco, where all of a sudden you get a guy, and you mentioned Jason Kelsey, uh-huh. that just kind of is the, the the key to open up the rest of the universe to you. Yeah. And sometimes it's an offensive lineman, maybe it's a wide receiver, maybe it's a coach, but you get the right guy with the other guy, and it just clicks. Well, he's playing good football. Uh, you know, and I'll, I'll say this, and look, he's a two-time Pro Bowler, talking about Kelsey, but he's what John Sullivan used to be. And John Sullivan is is playing great football. I yep. mean, having a fantastic year, but when you talk about being strong, being smart, being quick, uh, he's the reason they're having success running the football in the interior, because he can do certain things that other people just can't do. Talking about Kelsey. So, yeah, tremendous. Um, if you want to gauge their success on the ground, and he mentioned versus the Blitz, but definitely in the run game, you'll match it with the blocks that he makes and, and the and the choices that he gives the running backs and Carson Wentz. So uh, it's, it's going to be a, a fantastic matchup to watch this guy go against Wade Phillips' 3-4 defense. Mm-hmm. Let's see who wins that battle. Yeah, it's, it's, there's so many different things that are interesting about this game and the matchups, and one of them is the head coach. Yeah. And the other head coach that Doug Peterson and Sean McVay, I mean, is is there another candidate for coach of the year that I'm not thinking of it's, right now? Uh, to me, Mike it's Zimmer, maybe those two guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Especially here for what the, the turnaround. But how Philadelphia is playing and how they've been playing, I mean, it's hard to overlook Peterson. No doubt. Who would you give it to at this point? Wow. Um, well, they both have great quarterbacks. I mm-hmm. mean, young guys that are that are on the rise. You know, I would have to, and this sounds like a homer pick, but I'd have to give it to McVay because this is a I completely different football team than last season. I mean, he's completely turned this thing around. It's it, it's not just that they went from scoring negative six points a game to scoring 30-some points a yeah. game the way that they have. It's the entire culture of the team. It seems like a group of incredibly hungry guys that it's the right mix of young and, and veteran players and that he's able to integrate all those pieces together, that he went out and hired Wade Phillips to be his defensive coordinator, that he brings the, the amount of energy and attention to detail that seemed to be lacking before the juxtaposition position of those two yeah. things is jarring and that's why and, and part of it is a familiarity bias because we get to see him every day and see what he does but I can't imagine anybody doing a better job than Sean McVay has and they've year. won in different phases like the defense has stood tall in the second half against Dallas I mean they really sewed it up and helped them win that football game the offense has been a consistent contributor and help you towards winning special teams has popped up in one mm. games for you so it's not just one side of the ball that's doing it for you and speaking of the defense uh, this would be a good week to step up and say it's on us uh, because I really do think it's going to be on you. Um, you can win a shootout, but uh, I think Philadelphia stands a better chance of taking it to a shootout level 
So it's on the Rams' defense this week. Where do you think this game gets played? Does it get played in the 20s? Or are we get both these teams average in the 30s, or does that seem less likely? I, I think it's going to be a lot of chunk yardage, and red zone defense and offense is going to tell the difference in this game. I mean, both teams can move it. Both defenses can stop you. They're opportunistic. But each team is going to have their chances to score a lot of points and be in position to win this football game. So red zone defense and offense will determine this one. If it comes down to special teams, I know who I like. They've just been off the charts fantastic this year, the Rams. And, and pick pick your discipline. Kickoff return, kickoff coverage, punt return, punt cover. I mean, everything, the, the punter, the, the, the kicker, everybody's just been off the charts. Absolutely. I mean, look, it, you're going to have to keep Wentz backed up. You can't give him short fields. You can't even give him midfield. So... Having one of the best punters, if not the best punter in the game, helps Sean McVay, helps this offense. Johnny Hacker might need to flip field position. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about Jim Schwartz and that defense and the way it's set, those wide nines, I can't remember, man, how many guys he's gotten paid out of that defense. Going all the way back to Tennessee, Curse, Vandenbosch, Hainsworth became a $100 million tackle. Then you moved and to then Detroit. he didn't. Yeah, <laughs> and Dominican Sue right. became the next $100 million yeah. tackle coming out of Detroit. Cliff Averill got paid. Uh, Buffalo. This is funny. His high watermark, Jim Schwartz, in terms of sacks in a season is 52. Uh, their starting four defensive linemen had 40 of those sacks. This is a fun defense to play in. Now you move into Fletcher Cox and, 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 and Fletcher, what's, what's coming off the edge? Brandon mm-hmm. Graham, what's coming off the edge? This is a fun defense to play. It puts the quarterback in an awkward situation. Every snap, you're in peril. If you don't get rid of the rock, you're going to get hit. Even if you do, you're going to get hit. So... This is going to be one of these where you hope Jared Goff has, I guess, more toughness than they have cardio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good way of looking. That's got to be. Uh, I mean, it's football. You're going to get hit. You're going it, to. It's the nature of the game. But knowing that, even if the protection is right, even if the decision is right, you're still going to have to take a couple. I guess that's the job. That's what you signed up for when you became a quarterback. Absolutely. And yeah. and Tavon Austin, when we talk about. The lack of Tavon in Minnesota that could have pulled those ends off of the running game could have helped Todd Gurley slip through there. Where you're gonna, I bet you're gonna see Tavon Austin against them in a wide nine situation. You're running him into a defensive end that's mm-hmm. got leverage on him. You know that you're gonna have to take a pop for the team to spring Todd Gurley. At some point, you're gonna get the edge on him, but it'll take a while. The game of the week, the Eagles and the Rams at the Coliseum, week 14 in the NFL. We're back with more on Rams All Access on ESPN LA. All right, Travis Rogers in for J.B. Long, along with DeMarco Farr. Time for Inside the Numbers. And the number that it has to be this week, DeMarco, is nine. The Rams have won nine games. It means that no matter what happens from here on out, the Rams are going to have a winning season for the first time since 2003. And it's almost difficult to put into words how important that is, that this is a winning football team for the first time that almost any of these guys can remember. What they say, there is a middle school kid somewhere that, that's born that's never seen the Rams mm-hmm. as a winner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's different now. So guys like Robert Quinn, who's been here forever, Roger Saffold, who's been here forever, who's toiled away at you know sub-500 seasons, finally you get to roll out of bed as a winner, and you know that going to the building as a winner. So it's it, – it, Sean McVay has successfully changed the culture. Now, what are you going to do with it from this point? Um, It's a great place to be at. I remember talking to the guys about winning number eight. That was huge. You're guaranteed not to be a losing team. Now Mm -hmm. you get the win. Now you're guaranteed to be a win, and you still have games remaining. So what do you want to do with the rest of your season? What do you want to do from here on out? Um, Each and every one, each and every guy I talked to about either eight wins or nine, said there's a lot left to do. 
Uh, this is just uh, it, it's it's nice to acknowledge, but we have bigger goals out there. And that reminded me of us way back in the day uh, when Dick Vermeil handed us our NFC uh, West championship hats. Mm-hmm. He said, this is great. Enjoy it. But we have bigger fish to fry. It just kind of refocused everybody. So enjoy the nine. Enjoy being a, a winning football team now. You have to deal with the pressure of being a winning football team from this point on. Yeah, it's it's interesting. This idea of changing goals. The Rams coming in to this season, we talked about this on the postgame show after the, the game in Arizona. Coming into the season, I think the goal was let's be better than we were a year ago. Check. Mm-hmm. Next goal is let's not lose more than we win. Check. Let's win more than we lose. Check. Let's win a division. Maybe. Let's go to the playoffs. May, all, all of these things are still out there. What's it like when the goal line keeps getting moved further along? Like you said, these are yeah. good problems to have because they've checked the box on the goal three or four times already this year, and now the next one's up. Well, this goes to that off-air conversation about effective coaching um, to where he sets it in training camp or before training camp. This is what we're going to be about. This is how we're going to get to the postseason. This is what we're going to do. If we do X, Y, and Z, this is where we're going to be. So you're sitting here at week 14, and you've crossed off almost every single one of those things mm-hmm. on the list, and you're sitting in pretty good position. It makes that coach looks a little bit taller. Uh, his words become a little more golden to you. So it makes the work, uh, the monotonous work of getting ready to play a little bit easier. It makes the pain hurt a little bit less. Uh, when you start to achieve those goals and you start believing in what could be. Um, you take it from good teams to great teams, great teams to immortals. So uh, in December is when all that stuff starts to be decided. And here you are. You know, I'm sure that if you could give everybody a shot at truth serum, they'd rather over these next four weeks go and play the Giants and the Browns and, and the teams that you say, okay, if we just play okay, we're going to win these games. But is there something about looking at this schedule? You've got Philadelphia, you've got Seattle, you've got Tennessee. These are all teams that are going to be in the playoffs. you got the 49ers at the end of the year. But does it keep you that much more locked in knowing that if you take your foot off the gas, they're going to go right past you? Well, I mean, look, the, the, the end result is always that Lombardi, Lombardi trophy, but you're also in search of the ultimate truth. Um, and I remember, man, this I told you this before. Um, right when we figured out that we had become Super Bowl champions, because mm-hmm. Vermeil had to tell us. We didn't know. We're in the middle of a game. Um, it li- literally felt like the world was round, and we were on top of it. Um, <laughs> but th- there were no teams that we ducked. You want to match up against the best that's out there if you want to be considered the best. Now, look, you want an easy road to the playoffs, to the Super Bowl, so be it. But... You want to match yourself against what they call the best out there, and you want to defeat that because you want to be the only one left. So you relish opportunities in moments like this. All right, that's going to do it. Week 14 coming up on Sunday, the Rams and the Eagles. The pregame show will start right here on ESPN LA at 10.25 in the morning with myself, Eric Davis, and Kirk Morrison. And I expect a, a appearance from you as well, DeMarco. We're yes. going to be jacked and ready, man. It's going to be fantastic. Right. It's going to do it. Rams All Access for DeMarco Farm, Travis Rogers on ESPN LA. Yeah. Are we off?